Welcome to Tim Stodds FM, a place to share new ideas, speak freely, and continuously find ways to live our best lives. And now your host, Tim Stoddart. Hey, what's up, everyone? My name is Tim Stoddart. Welcome to Tim Stodds FM. Thank you so much for joining me. Today, I interviewed my new friend, Gara Love. I was introduced to Gara through uh, a couple of mutual friends, and everybody said right away uh, how cool of a person she is and how cool of uh, a viewpoint on on life she has. And I approached this interview just thinking that we were going to speak creatively about some of uh, her writing and some of the poetry of hers that I read. But as we talked more, I learned more and more about some of her uh, more important views with uh, her career and some of the clinical work that she does as a therapist. It was a great, great podcast. Seriously, this girl is like, I, I really aspire to uh, have some of the viewpoints that she has. And I just really, I really enjoyed her vibe and like her whole outlook on things. So please, without further ado, help me welcome my new friend, Miss Gara Love. It's about whatever. Right on. <laughs> it really is. So this is the point where I would tell you that we were live. But if you remember, I said we weren't going to do that because I didn't want to make you feel nervous. I just mute my cell phone. Just give me a minute. Hi, Gara. Welcome. Hey, thanks. So this is the first time that I've ever done a podcast with somebody that I literally know nothing about. <laughs> and like, I don't mean to put you on the spot. I try to like do research um, and at least have a little bit of context of uh, the person that I'm speaking to so that, you know, I can like lead the conversation and all that stuff. Uh, the little bit I do know about you is that everybody really seems to love you. Um, so I don't know what you got going on for you, but I haven't heard a single person who I mentioned you <laughs> say anything bad. Everybody was like, oh my God, Garrett's coming on your show. Like she's the coolest person. Oh so, my gosh. So I, I guess that's flattering for you. It is totally flattering. Thank you. Cool. Um, all honesty. I read a lot of your writing and your poetry and like you're super talented. Wow. Thank you. Yeah. It's uh, I, I read a lot of writing just because of the work that I do on the internet and stuff like that. Um, I mean, poetry especially is one of those things where like 95% of it is like kind of tough to read, you know, mm -hmm. just because it's really difficult to be good at poetry, but you're like, very very talented i want to wow. know like where you you started out your journey as as like writing poetry thank you for that um it's still shocking to hear because I know what you mean believe it or not i actually started writing about five months ago really and i just sat down with a pen and some watercolor pencils huge fan of those by the way cool. um, and i just started writing and i just i don't like sit down and try try to write anything it just the writing starts to happen and then I sit down if that makes any sense mm -hmm. um, I need art whatever that may be to um to like access my my just like my innermost self you know what I mean sure. like that comes to me through art mm -hmm. so it just kind of happened do you find it I write every single day um I've always been a writer but more recently, I kind of had this goal. I, I won't get into it. I read this book called The War of Art, and uh, it was just 
it, it really captivated me. And I, I made it a goal of mine where I just want to write every single day to kind of conquer that like inner fear of like mm-hmm. what I have to say isn't really that important. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I still can't decide if I find writing to be like a therapeutic process or if I find it to be like torture in like a, in like a way. And I think that's the thing that kind of keeps mm-hmm. you coming back, you know, because there's one side of me that's like, oh, wow, this feels so good when I do it. But then there's the other side of me where no matter what you do, I, you can still pick at it a little bit and find ways that like you wish you said something differently or said mm-hmm. this in a different way. Do you find that to be the case with you or do you just just, just let it roll? Honestly, um, I'm in that space of like a beginner's mind, you know, um, that's why hearing you say like I'm talented is, yes, it's such a compliment but I haven't really judged what I've written. Um, I, I just haven't opened that door for myself yet where I'm like critiquing it mm-hmm. because who's to say, you know what I mean? Like who's to say that it is, I mean, it might not make sense to one person, but for someone else it could help them like access the, what they couldn't put into words. So I'm trying to like exist in that space beyond the judgment or the critique because like, Who's to say? And maybe it's all valid. Do you read your work after you publish it? <laughs> I do. And my favorite is when they, uh, the editor does not put spacing where there should be spacing. On somebody else's website, you mean? Yes. Yeah. So if you, because I, I saw you writing for Thought Catalog a bunch. That kind of shit really, really gets me. If you if you like have to send something to somebody else and then mm-hmm. they let you know when it's published, <laughs> you know, you're like, oh, what are you doing? There's supposed to be a space right there. Yeah. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Why? And um, again, I'm, I'm kind of learning about you as, as we have this conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, why don't you put it on your own website? Like, is that your goal? Is the writing even a goal of yours? Or is this just a hobby for you at this point? Um, I try not to attach myself even to the word goal because it's really just like an adventure. And if I can love my vision without attachment, then it continues to grow with me and I continue to discover what I'm good at, what I suck at. You know what I mean? Um, No, it's just something that I enjoy doing. And like, I I need to write, I need, I need to write to like breathe. It's just something that I do, whether it's like a few notes on my phone. I mean, I have fun. I just like write captions on my Instagram, like Mm -hmm. really deep stuff on my Facebook status or whatever. And you know, it's just whatever from there on out. But what do you mean you you need to write? It's like breathing to me. But you said earlier that you just started it. So mm-hmm. has there always been like this weird calling and you just recently find out that writing like scratches that itch, so to speak? Mm, yes. Um, yes. Absolutely. I think that it just has grown to be something that's what I do like on a consistent basis and I just can't not put it down on paper, whether that's Mm -hmm. like literally my favorite pen to like my favorite notebook or a note on my phone. Um, But to, you know, answer your question about why I don't write on my own blog that is, uh, that is coming. I just got my website made. So uh, to to come. I, I would never pressure. Well, Maybe I would just because I work so much on the internet and mm-hmm. I'm always like uh, 
I, I like to see people just build their own sort of body of work. And even if there's not, like you said, a goal or like a business mm-hmm. or anything behind it, uh, for me, I've just found it to be so like, I, I, I just look back at it and you can almost document your journey. Mm-hmm. You know, like I can look at some of the stuff that I, I wrote like a year ago and I can put myself back in that headspace. Like, oh, like I remember what I was thinking at that point in my life. And like, I remember what I was experiencing that mm-hmm. kind of put me into that place. And uh, I just, it, it's obvious that the stuff you write about, you're writing from like your heart, you know? And I think it's difficult uh, to, I think that writing is like one of the few opportunities where you can document what is in your heart. Mm. And uh, I, I can tell you're like kind of a, a deep like little spiritual type person you know and i think that you would really get a lot out of that yes um yes to all of that and it's so beautiful for the five months that i've been writing i have like books and books and i jokingly uh you know i refer to it it's like the journey even just the things that i've written about like i can see this journey in words from um like loving others to like loving myself and then it kind of all goes back to god it, I could talk about that that stuff, but it I get to see like the growth in my writing, you know what I mean? And not just the way that my writing gets better, mm-hmm. but just like it's a reflection of my journey that I'm on forever, you know? Um, because yes, I love writing and I love poetry. I love reading all of it, but uh, I do have um, like a business and I have a career and I, I laugh because <laughs> I think that people think I just like sit on the beach all day and write poems and they're not far, that's not far from the truth that time <laughs> no i don't think that um i think that from the short time i've been speaking to you you just seem very self-aware you think you seem to have a very good like understanding of your presence and and, and what you're thinking and feeling at the moment thank you it's a blessing and a curse <laughs> i i can't believe you just said that because my mother has been saying that same exact shit to me i mean since i was a kid because there's like that weird thing where I guess it's just a little bit more intense for me that um, I, I, it's weird to speak about yourself in this kind of way, you know, so forgive me. But I think it gives me this sort of drive, you know, but at the same time, I can just be so overly critical that the thing that sort of gives me that uh, that drive is also the thing that kind of can chip away at you and chip away at, at your confidence, I guess, mm-hmm. is the right word for it. I'm hoping that, that that is resonating with you because that makes that's complete sense. And I'm sure it makes sense to a lot more people than just me. You know, uh, I totally get that. I'm all about making choices. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I have to make a choice uh, every day, if not like multiple times a day, like to just show up and support myself. You know what I mean? And kind of like learn how to identify that, that critical voice because there's a voice that, um, Keep this thing a little closer. Didn't mean to fuck you up. I'm sorry. No, it's all good. Um, I want to take an honest look at where I'm at. You know yeah. what I mean? Like I, I'm okay with having faults and having um, weaknesses. I do. You know uh-huh. what I mean? But and I'm okay with having strengths. <laughs> hey, um, <laughs> but and I want to know the truth. Like I want to surround myself with people who can actually like support me seeing the truth right? Like I'm not afraid to have, to make mistakes and I'm not afraid to have like flaws and, and to learn. I'm like the queen of learning the hard way. Um, 
you know, and I just have to identify like, is this voice pointing out my flaws or where I could have done better in a supportive way or in a hurtful way, Mm -hmm. you know, because like life is too short and I have not been my biggest fan for too much of it. So Mm -hmm. I just, I just don't have any more of me left to give to like an inner, like mean, critical voice, you know? So you're saying that you've spent a lot of time doing that and you've almost like expended all the energy that all mm-hmm. the critical energy that you have you mm-hmm. you spent it all all of it got none left That's nothing good. but self-love at this point and you know that that voice it like lives within me but sure. i've befriended it you know what i mean yeah yeah i i guess i never actually thought to explain it that way but i can kind of recognize it now and be able to say to myself like okay like I see what you're doing. You're trying to get me to go to like this other place that is maybe uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. I can see it from a less like self-critical standpoint and more of just, he's kind of like, there's an awful, awfully cheesy quote from a John Mayer song that always stuck with me, but it said that Ugh. fear is a friend who is misunderstood. Ugh. And I kind of think it's Ugh. like that. I love John Mayer. I love John Mayer too. And my girl always Ugh. makes fun of me, but I think he's a fucking no! amazing artist. I am anybody who like doesn't like John Mayer and cats. I'm like, you just don't understand. I just don't understand you. Because you've ne- they've never, you know, if give the album a full <laughs> listen because he is full of wisdom. Exactly. Like befriend the fears. You know what I mean? There's, I don't know. Like I said, I'm all about choosing and I get to choose like how I relate to fear. We've been taught so much and I'm like, uh-uh, I'm going to take everything that I've been taught and I'm going to give it an honest look and ask myself like, believing in this all this bs that i've been taught is it even true does it really resonate with me you Mm -hmm. know and if it doesn't then i like begin the journey of letting this old expired belief go because i ain't got time for that you know so fear is a friend i'm friends with fear i still get scared a lot but it's different now yeah i think that uh my grandfather uh Right before he, my, my grandparents had a lot to do with raising me. I mean, my family was just really tight. And one of the last things my grandfather said um, to me was that um, life shrinks and expands in proportion to one's own courage. And then what he meant by that is that like, there's no courage isn't the absence of fear, right? It's like mm-hmm. just going through it. And I think about my grandfather a lot when I'm in situations where, uh, I don't know where I'm just up against something and in the back of your mind, you're going like, man, can I really do this? Like, is it better off to just like not try to jump off this cliff right now? Um, Ultimately, I think because of a lot of experiences and a large part because of just some of the shit my grandpa taught me was I always just sort of jump, you know, and Mm -hmm. and you seem like a jumper. Oh, my God. I as you speak of this, I have like this visualization of this fear and I'm I mean, not this fear, but of this cliff and I'm like, you know, uh, at least some people think about it. I think it's good to think about it for a moment. Like, do you jump? Oh, I, I just fly right off that cliff. Mm-hmm. And then I think about it afterwards. Like but, maybe that wasn't the best idea. Um, sometimes, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but I get to have experiences and I get to learn from it. Yeah. So. You seem like you really value experiences. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, especially because right now like what i'm working on like personally 
um, is like all the mistakes that I've made because I'm like I said, the queen of of like stupid mistakes. Um, and that served me, but it doesn't serve me so much anymore. So now I'm like, okay, well, now what am I going to do about it? And as soon as I accepted that I was like really good at making stupid mistakes, mm -hmm. learning a whole lot, but uh, I kind of surrendered to that. And then something shifted where now I'm like, I'm double checking things. Mm -hmm. I'm quadruple checking things. And uh, it's a different experience. But yes, I'm all about the experiences because you know what? Am I going to die if I jump off this cliff? You know, yes, don't jump. Yeah. No. Hey, close your eyes and hope for the best. Uh huh. You, man, I, I don't know. I, I've, I've done a bunch of podcasts now and I don't think I've had like such a direct conversation with somebody who is is so actively trying to like, be a better version of themselves um is this like a new thing for you are you are you like really new on this like journey of of self-discovery or have you kind of always been this way um that makes me laugh no i've i've always been this way okay. um and what how that's manifested looks different mm -hmm. uh, you know i'm a, a therapist by training so oh no shit i didn't know that surprise yeah. see i told you i got a career uh, <laughs> you did say that yeah, I've got some uh, credentials and degrees and diplomas and trainings and um, a beautiful... Well, good. So we'll get into that. But keep going. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, you know, so there's like this thin, there's a line and it's a beautiful line, but mm -hmm. it's not as defined for other people as it is. It's not so defined in my own life, like this this line between professional and personal life. You know what I mean? Like, how can I look? I get to look someone in the eye and know in my heart that like, they they can get through this because like I've gotten through like X, Y, Z. You know what I mean? And like I never identify as a victim of X or a victim of Y. I'm a, like a warrior and I'm a survivor and I've mm -hmm. walked this journey and I get to walk to walk alongside this journey with other people. You know, so um it's very much connected to to my work as a therapist. There's a small divide. A little bit smaller with you, I think, than most people maybe. Just, uh, do you take the stories home with you? Um, other people's? Yeah. What do you mean by that? Well, I've, I could imagine, and I've never done any kind of clinical, professional clinical work. I've, I've never been on the other side. Mm -hmm. um, you, as so, you seem like a feeler. Like, do you feel other people's pain, or do you are are you able to kind of take a, an objective approach and always be like kind of pragmatic w when you talk to them? I would. I would have a hard time doing your job because I would just think about it all the time and like want to go out of my way to try to solve people's problems because mm -hmm. I I get real uncomfortable when I see people in pain. You know, of like course. what is that? What what is that like? Just talk to me about what that's like because I've never been able to just directly ask somebody that before. Um, so beautiful that you can, you know, like that's a beautiful desire that you have to want to like help relieve somebody's pain. Mm -hmm. um, but the words that you used. Um, what were they specifically like you you it hurts to see someone in pain mm -hmm. um, yes it hurts to see someone in pain but my relationship to pain at this time through my experiences um, I accept the pain the pain is such a part of our journey sometimes you know it's like the Buddha says uh, the thing about suffering and the thing about pain right like um, 
pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. Mm -hmm. um, you know, so I'm not scared of that pain. Like I can sit there with that person and allow them to feel whatever it is they feel, you know, whether it's justified or not justified or uh, existing only within their own mind. Like everybody's feelings are valid and I get to walk alongside somebody on that journey. I don't, I don't want to fix it for them. That's not my job. My job is like, I do not call myself a self-proclaimed healer. There's people like all over the internet who uh, call themselves like healers. I think we're all healers because we all heal ourselves with our like God-given inner resources, but we all stray off that path. My job is a, I'm a facilitator of healing. You know what I mean? Like I hold that space for someone where they feel safe enough to, to feel uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like we can sit with that pain all day and then we get to say, okay, well, what are you going to do about it? Let's create these goals and these actions. And like, you know, they say success is not a linear path. Well, neither is healing. And I get to walk, you know, up and down as it ebbs and flows with, with these people. And I don't attach myself to their outcomes. It's their life and it's their journey. And it's beautiful no matter, you know what I mean? Like we all fall, we all get back up as long as like we get back up. Did I answer that question? You sure did. And it was like really striking to me. It sounded, um, I was relating to it with something that isn't quite as like, uh, maybe life and death is dramatic, but I'll say life and death because mm -hmm. I'm sure in some cases it is. Way, that is like, <laughs> yes, it there's is. a lot of life and death. I'm not even being sarcastic. I, I believe or, you. Yeah. So I, I feel good in saying that. But you said, um, allowing somebody to be uncomfortable and it kind of reminded me of this thing so the reason why i started this podcast was simply because i wanted to get better at like talking to people mm -hmm. which i think is why I, I write a lot because it's easier for me to express myself when there's no one watching mm -hmm. me and like i can take my time you know mm -hmm. and uh something i've been practicing is like uh, in interviews becoming a better a better interviewer is letting silence do the do, do the work you call it so like I put it out there and then it's not up to me to make you feel more comfortable because like you're taking your time and there's like silence around you. Like I have to allow you mm -hmm. to sort of breathe in like that moment of discomfort so that like whatever the true answer is can kind of come out. Mm -hmm. And it's really difficult, especially for someone like me where like I feel that silence and I'm like, oh shit, you're uncomfortable. Like, let me say something right now mm -hmm. so that I can sort of fix your problem. And, uh, maybe that was stretching in terms of like relating to what you were saying but but i gotta think it's kind of like the same same things like you have to resist the temptation of of uh fixing like the discomfort of the moment right absolutely and that's actually a really perfect example um especially in the therapeutic work mm -hmm. silence i don't like to use the word tool because silence just is silence that's just what it is um but for lack there of better words, uh, I'll get clinical with it. Yeah, silence is a tool, right? Like, let mm -hmm. me step out of the way and let allow this moment to just be. Allow this person to just feel. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we're like onions. Like, can I give this person the space? Like Shrek? No idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Hold on. I've seen, out. like, no movies ever. You've never seen Shrek? I have. I have. So you don't know that ogres are like onions? No. <laughs> oh, wow. I just think about him and his uh 
loving relationship with his uh with his donkey with his no with uh the princess oh yeah princess uh fiona yeah that's right okay well <laughs> now that i've totally strayed your like train of thought um how did you get into that uh the therapeutic work the yeah. poetry no like the therapeutic <laughs> work because they're just uh it's like a What's the word? There's almost like a duality there. You know what I mean? There's kind of two sides of a coin. So how, how did you get into that? I mean, I'm assuming you have to go to school to be a therapist, right? You do. Oh. <laughs> and I did. Where'd you go? Um, for undergraduate school, I went to Florida State University. And for graduate school, I went to Columbia University. So New York, right? Yes. Those are two different <laughs> lifestyles. Yeah. Which one did you like more? Um, just, they were just so different and where I was in my life, uh, undergraduate school, I always put studying first because I knew what I wanted to do since I was like eight years old, never changed my major once. Um, just different experiences. You know what I mean? One, when I was in graduate school, I was like working, um, two jobs and I was studying all the time. So, uh, undergraduate school was a lot more fun i can definitely tell you that yeah i've uh i never went to school um tell me tell me the difference between the two and i'm kind of buying time because i forgot to plug in my computer so just tell me which one you liked better real quick i'm sorry oh it's all good um the experience of like undergraduate school versus graduate school yeah because one of them seems like it would be a lot more intense in terms of like the workload um I like that you're asking me questions that make me think. So I'm going to give a, give that a moment to think about. Um, I loved them both. <laughs> I really loved them both. A lot of uh, riding my bicycle and going to house parties and shows in undergraduate school. Um, learning lots of lessons, if you will. Sure. And graduate school was like very focused. Um, and at that time in my life, like, that's what I wanted. That's what fed my soul. And that's what I gave it my soul, you know, mm -hmm. um, like knowledge and experience and a lot of fear, <laughs> a lot of fear. It surprises me to hear you say that because I always, from the outside looking in, I always felt like going to college would be like less fear because it seems like you you have like an endpoint, like you you know what it is you're shooting for. I was always mm. a little bit more like, I I I know that this is the right thing to do, so I'm just gonna do it in hopes that like it it works out. Because I took a mm. much more like entrepreneurial approach. Mm. Um, but then I guess it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you you paint your own picture, you know. Mm. So I I just I have no idea what that was like. I I can't. I can't believe that you would say like there was lots of fear when you know exactly what your degree is going to be in and like, you know, relatively what your path is going to be. Mm -hmm. um, well, I think about what it was like when I did my internship at Mount Sinai Hospital at the Addiction Institute, which is uh, people struggling with co-occurring disorders like substance abuse and mental health issues. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, what does professionalism mean? Like, I'm not the type of person no to I don't want to wear a suit. I don't want to work with clients like come into my office, please like have a seat on this couch. You know, that's just not my style. So mm -hmm. um, it was kind of like discovering and creating like my professional identity and, uh, you know, 
doing all that work and doing it really well and getting those credentials so I can kind of say after the BS, I'm going to like just show up as my most authentic self. And, you know, I just remember doing that internship and feeling like a phony. I felt like such a phony in this beautiful city, you know, of New York City. It's like this Ivy League school that I'm going to and, you know, like this world-renowned hospital I'm working at and just feeling like I didn't belong there, you know, and and having to walk through that fear every single day until I realized I wasn't scared anymore. And I'll never forget that, you know, just walking through that fear and feeling like a phony and it's a reference point. I can completely relate uh just this week um i was in tennessee and i had to participate in like a pretty big invest investors meeting Mm -hmm. and uh i've spoken very privately about that same thing to a a couple of my friends that like i've I've grown stodzy with and and some other like online projects i've been a part of and i always felt like a phony the whole time even if i'm going into client pitches i'm saying to myself like do i wear a suit because that's what I think you're supposed to do. Do I be myself in like a t-shirt and a backwards hat thinking that like, you know, maybe I could come across the, that kind of angle where, you know, like I'm myself and I'm, I'm authentic and I don't care what you think about me. And there was no other way for me to figure all of that out other than to just like continuously do it and continue to show up and just like find my spot. Mm-hmm. in the whole thing as to where I fit in. And I was having a moment like that at that invest in, investors meeting where, um, I mean, they're important people in context to what I was doing, you know, like they, their, their decisions held a lot of clout. And I remember thinking that in a situation like that a couple of years ago, I would have really, really been terrified, but I guess mm-hmm. I've just been in that situation enough that I knew, I know what I know. I know what I'm good at. I know like, when to speak up i know when to keep my mouth shut i know like I, i'm able to recognize like oh i want to say this because it'll make me sound smart you know and like just being able to like you don't have to do that keep your mouth mm-hmm. shut there's no other way at least i think or not even i think at least in my experience to sort of find your spot right other than to just keep showing up and like kind of keep awkwardly stumbling through the process yes but that's so special you know, that you and I can relate on that mm-hmm. because we're seeking to find our spot. Uh, you know, when you when you mentioned the thing about the suit, I had this vision in my mind of like a bunch of people wearing suits. Right. Um, and I've had the same image because I'm not the only one who graduated from an Ivy League school. You know what I mean? Like there's been a few. We we all we're all existing. There's yeah. a lot of us, you know. Um, and so what? Like my mom gets to have a bumper sticker. I got a great education. Yes. Um, But now what? You know what I mean? Like when everybody else was kind of acting out of fear, trying to fit in, I was like, oh, look at them doing all all this stuff. But I just kept doing me. And now my resume is like I call it my like my small child because it's a direct reflection of me. And I'm going to I just don't care. You know what I mean? Like I'm going to show up as myself Mm -hmm. and like these are my gifts. These are my strengths. These are my weaknesses because mm-hmm. I believe that it's all about fit. Like I don't want to attract all of the clients for, you know, to work with therapeutically because I can't best serve all of them. Sure. You know what I mean? Like the same thing with the people in my life. Like a lot of people are going to be out there wearing suits, but 
you're you and you have your own Eunice. I just said Eunice. <laughs> I caught that. <laughs> I was going to let it slide, but you brought it up. Yep. And, uh, and on that note, another like painful, but I like relief. When I learned it, it was a big sigh of relief is trying to fit in all those places. Like you do it because you want to make everybody happy, right? At least mm -hmm. I did. Mm -hmm. You want everybody to like you. Mm -hmm. But the thing that sucks is that's an impossible thing to do. So almost like trying to make everybody happy inevitably gets a couple people pissed off at you anyway, mm -hmm. you know, because you're trying to fulfill like expectations that you can't meet. And, mm -hmm. and, I was just so relieved to one day find out that if I just do me and I do it the way that I know how to, and I don't try to answer that question that I have no business answering, you know, and mm -hmm. I don't try to like fulfill this person's need that I, I could just as easily say no to, mm -hmm. then it's, it's like a way more, it's a way more laid back life that I get to live because you're not constantly looking around like, oh man, like who's going to find out? that I don't mm. actually know what I'm talking about, you know? <laughs> yeah. And you just get to you just get to be in line with the people that accept you for you. Oh yeah. At least I think. I agree completely. Yeah, I really do. I don't need to please everybody. I just need to show up and I think how do I ask myself like how do I want other people to show up in my life? Mm -hmm. People I work with, um you know, friends, whatever. Um I I want them to tell me the truth. I want them to live their truth, to be who they are. You know what I mean? Like, and that's how they satisfy me. It's just mm -hmm. by like showing up as themselves. You know what I mean? I wish the whole world could live like that. Just saying. Yeah, that's one of those things where it's so possible, but so impossible at the same time. You know, like it it seems so feasible, like if everybody would just be themselves. And just try as, as long as you can go without intentionally trying to hurt people, mm -hmm. you know, then I, I think that, like we're going to be OK. Yeah, I was thinking, except if you're like uh, an asshole or mm -hmm. an ex murderer, like you can go ahead and uh, slow your roll. But, you know, I just I dream of this like super authentic world where we like I think about the social norms and what if they were just a little bit more vulnerable and honest and what if it was okay and we didn't have to, you know, do this whole keeping up with the Joneses, family secrets, like this us versus them, like, you know, a collective and it's, it's okay. You know what I mean? It's, it's okay to be sad. It's okay to be scared. It's, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Well, so when you say social norms, what are, what are the ones in particular that, that you wish you could change? Definitely some stigmas um, about addiction, uh -huh. undoubtedly, and uh, mental health. Okay. Oof. Oof. Yes. Big time. I've, I've gone back and forth in my head a lot about stigmas. I haven't decided if the best way to deal with stigma is just to completely pretend like they don't exist. Or if the best way to deal with stigma is to like completely address it and create a bunch of noise around it. I don't know. Sometimes I think to myself, if, if you don't talk about it, 
then like it's not a thing if it's not a thing then it's not a thing but then oh it's a thing <laughs> well, oh it's a thing granted but is it a thing because because we say it is it's a thing because it exists and it's um you know i can't change the world i can't change these stigmas i can only change my own behavior mm-hmm. and ask myself are my actions contributing to this or are they not like am i going to choose to show up honestly um and vulnerably, vulnerably and like appropriately in the setting? Um, or am I going to choose to like hide certain things and uh, tuck my vulnerability away? Am I mm-hmm. living? Am I being the change that I want to see? You know what I mean? Of course I do. Um, because it exists. Um, it exists the way that we think about people who struggle with mental health issues. Um, like they're crazy. Like, hell, I'm crazy. I'd like to think like a healthier version of crazy today, but, um, you know, and even with treatment of people who struggle with mental health issues, um, of course, well, that's the big one, right? Yes. And, um, like for instance, if you have somebody who's struggling with, with schizophrenia, it's like, okay, we'll stop trying to put your version of healthy and healed on them. What does it look like for them to live their best life for like the reduction of, of, negative symptoms because they're never going to be you and they're never going to be me and they just are them they're just not especially with schizophrenia mm-hmm. i can only speak about that one because i i had an uncle um who we're not really sure if he overdosed or, or committed suicide but mm-hmm. schizo- schizophrenia in particular is one of the ones where like until you really really see it you it's difficult to explain it through words how not really in control they are you know Mm -hmm. and so i I do know what you mean to to just accept that like okay this is a better version of them and for me to say like oh but i just want you to be healthy i just want you to be happy is is kind of redundant because it's Mm -hmm. schizophrenia is just a a wild one like that's really 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 wild you said something that really pointed out to me and i know i'm always touching on like quotes that i hear did you ever see Behind the Actors Studio uh, with James Lipton? It was like a show that was on AMC or whatever. <laughs> I see. I've seen like no movies, no shows. <laughs> I caught that. Yeah. Well, he did this interview with Dave Chappelle once. And it was after Dave Chappelle left the Chappelle show and moved to Africa and did what he was doing. And he was talking about crazy. And he was talking about how all of a sudden people said that he was crazy. And at the time, uh, Mariah Carey was having mm. some issues, you know. And he brought her up and he just said them something that I'll never forget. He goes, this is the reality. It's people that they go, I don't understand this person. So they must be crazy mm. because they're not me. Mm-hmm. You know, and that really got me. Anytime I hear somebody say the word crazy, by default, I always think to myself, like, no, you don't understand them. Absolutely. Word to that for real. I feel that so much. And you know, it's like, it's not that person's problem that you don't understand. Mm-hmm. They've got their own. You know, that's your discomfort yeah. with, um, you know, like the differences that exist. What if we allowed them to? What if we were like compassionate and inquisitive and curious instead of, um, you know, labeling it something negative because people just are. You know, if someone is, then they are. Sorry, I'm laughing because it's like, <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was deep. I was gonna like refer to this 
specifically someone if they're schizophrenic they are they are schizophrenic now it's not your job to like make them live according to how you want them to live you know what i mean because you don't understand and it makes you feel uncomfortable yes how can this person live like the best healthiest and happiest version of themselves in their life well you know I think there's another side to that as well. I think schizophrenia is a real specific example just because mm-hmm. the symptoms of it are like so extreme. Mm-hmm. But as somebody who is in the industry, I think you could also argue that too much of our society is labeling things to be like mental health problems that they actually aren't. I mean, I've been labeled every mental health problem other than <laughs> schizophrenia that I can think of. And once I like got my exercise and like medit, once I got like my fucking shit together, all of a sudden I wasn't having like 4 a.m. panic attacks that would make mm-hmm. me throw up, you know? Mm-hmm. So w- where is that? Like, do you just treat anybody that's having a bad day as like, oh, they're clinically depressed? Because I-, I honestly think that's a real problem. I think that's a real fucking problem. Yes. And that has to do with our uh, healthcare system mm-hmm. and insurance companies. It's complicated. Well, explain it because I think a lot of people are, they don't know what else to do. So they kind of just throw their hands in the air. And So a lot of people are, we are overusing labels. Yes. Um, for a few different reasons. One of the reasons is that in order to justify treatment to the insurance company, you know, we need to say something like why this client needs this care. Um, you know, and the, and the insurance companies, they put a little fight up. So you got to really uh, show them that this person really does need, you know, like sessions or treatment or whatnot. Um, so that's one reason. Mm-hmm. Which, you know what? I call it client advocacy at this point. Um, no, but I get that one because because yeah. that's a weird one because a therapist goes to school to be a therapist. And this whole notion that like you, you should do that work for free, I think is like kind of fucking bullshit. Because like you're a professional and you can help people, of course. But if you're if you're practicing your craft, mm-hmm. then you deserve to get paid for it. Yes, and uh, it's so funny because I was just having a conversation with my parents, and they're like, they have this idea that I work so much for free. They're like, you know, talking about this potential job with them, and they're like, "Are you going to get paid?" I'm like, "Yes, I'm going to get paid. This is my work. This is what I do professionally." Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I try to be of service, like in all ways of my life. Yeah, but um money is not bad money it's is not. a spiritual currency and it is an exchange yes. and it's a blessing and it's there's nothing wrong with getting paid and i want to live in this space of like service passion skill mm-hmm. and enjoying it yeah, and like abundance and i can of course you can and so, i do yeah and so like i think that's just hinting on your point i think it's important for people to know that because to be able to justify it to an insurance company is really important because unless there's money involved with the whole thing, it, like it all breaks and people can throw a fit about it if they want, but it's just the way of the world. Like get used to it. Unless there's some something <laughs> back in the system, like the whole thing breaks. Get so we need that. But okay. So other than, other than that, I do believe that there's also like, I guess like we were talking about earlier, people have a hard time living in discomfort so they instantly like want to find something that's wrong with them Mm -hmm. as opposed to just sort of dealing with it absolutely and i think uh 
you know, when I think of labels, right? Like, oh, um, I'm bipolar, I'm depressed, or Mm -hmm. I'm this or I'm that, like that's a label and you are using that as an identity. And at times it can be an excuse, right? To justify our behaviors. Um, we've all been there. <laughs> and, uh, Not me. you know, well, good for you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, you know, there's a difference with saying like, I feel, I feel depressed or I'm, I'm struggling with this. Right. Um, you know, yeah, people, definitely do struggle with having with feeling discomfort and you know what i have definitely been one of them sure i i think we all have i think the part about it and i just keep bringing this up because this takes up a lot of space in my head mm-hmm. with other people that i've i've worked with and and family members and it's it's just a thing that's going on in in like our society mm-hmm. right now um i don't know i, I just I can't quite decide where like the line for mental health advocacy starts and stops and where the line of like, hey, man, or girl, whatever, like, grow the fuck up starts. Mm-hmm. And I almost want like a professional's opinion on it mm-hmm. because I, I got to think that there's times in your situation, too, where you got to think, look, you it's not that you are something you're feeling something. And mm-hmm. so like deal with your feelings as opposed to fix how you are right does that Mm -hmm. make sense yes and i think that uh you know mental health issues and like mental illness yeah like there are chemical imbalances that very much so exist and are real and these Mm -hmm. labels exist because they they guide treatment right um if you are this then then these are the actions that like evidence-based treatment shows that they work Mm -hmm. right so it's really a guide that's what it's supposed to be um but you know i think that it's like it's on a spectrum and everybody falls where they fall on that spectrum and i i believe that it's a combination right um you know because i take a really holistic approach like mind body and spirit you know what i mean like i personally don't believe that like sitting on the couch is enough it's not enough like sitting on the couch talking to your therapist isn't enough um, like, what are you going to do about it? What actions are you taking to, to, to manage your symptoms and, and to cope, right. And to grow and to heal. It's like what you, you mentioned about like, you know, having all those, you know, whatever issues and then like kind of finding what works for you, like being physically active and getting your shit together. Mm-hmm. That's the goal, right. To get your shit together. That's basically, well, yeah. And, and like piggybacking off what we said before, there doesn't always have to be some kind of idealistic benchmark to hit sometimes it's just about like i just want to feel a little bit better and if that's like the thing then that's okay uh i this this next question is completely personal um at least for me what do you think like diet and exercise and all that like how important do you you think that is to people at least when they're having like mental health um issues moments whatever i want to be careful mm. not to label anyone oh yes i love this question <laughs> good because i love it too yes and i feel like there's a profound there's a simple yet complex answer because mm. i think about these things um there's many reasons why eating a healthy diet and being physically active helps people who struggle 
Mm-hmm. It just helps people, period. In you know general. what I mean? Like, yeah. like science and studies show, um, like what we put into our body directly relates to how we feel, our moods, our energy level. And, uh, you know, they even say that you have your second, uh, your brain and your gut, mm-hmm. right? And then I think about the act of actually eating healthy and the act of giving a shit. Can I say that? You can say whatever you want. The act of giving a shit about yourself. Yes. Even if you don't really like the act, taking those actions to like eat healthy, treat yourself with love and respect. You know what I mean? Like that has an impact in itself. Getting to the gym. Oh my God, I went to the gym today. Like that's an accomplishment. You know what I mean? And eating healthy and treating yourself with respect is an accomplishment. You know, that exists because we deserve that, not because there's something wrong with us and we need to be fixed or any, you know what I mean? It's like a shift in perspective. For sure. I, I, I love that perspective because I, I think it is two things. Like, yeah, there's a physiological thing Absolutely. about eating nutrition, right? It's called science. Yeah, it's called science. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Some people get freaked out by that word. Um, but there's also like little chipping away. I mean, when I started making my bed in the morning, things about my life completely changed. Oh yeah. And I'm not kidding. I mean, you make your bed and it's like five in the morning and you're like, fuck, I don't want to do this right now. But then all of a sudden you're done. And the best thing about it is when you're tired and you get into bed, it's already made, (laughs) you know, like little habits like that. Absolutely. They totally do. And you know, I just want to show up today, like in this moment as my best self. I make a lot of mistakes and don't always show up in that way. But like, can I try? You know what I mean? Like, can I make my bed this morning just this once? Like, and that's how, you know, it's it's every day, one day at a time, one moment at a time that adds up to like these changes. Because, you know, I'm sure in the beginning it wasn't as easy. And now it's probably second nature. Mm-hmm. And then you get to jump into an already made bed. Yeah. And it has become second nature. You're right. Now you just don't even think about it. Mm-hmm. It's just the thing that you do. You, man, I, there's just questions whizzing through my head that like I want to kind of like keep going. So I got to be careful not to hijack this like podcast. What is the biggest like practical kind of improvement that you think people in general, but more specifically people that are kind of like struggling with some kind of behavioral modification type deal. Like what do you think is just like one thing that if someone's listening to this, you can say like, do this and that's a good place to start. Like a a practical thing that you can tell them. Practical. (laughs) That is not, that has not always been in my vocabulary. Um, I at first wanted to say, allow your heart to be touched. Um, So I'm just going to say community. You know what I mean? Like, there's, there's healing power in community, right? Like when we're struggling with something and, and we're, we're trying to change a, be, a behavior, I, I think that if somebody was listening and this was a question that their ears perked up, this is probably not the first time that they're trying, right? Like I think about what it feels like to make these promises to yourself and to break them that like chips away at your self-esteem and, your, and, and feeling competent, right? And, and, and to be in that state when you're trying to like modify a behavior, is makes it all that much more difficult, right? Like go to a place, find a person, do whatever you got to do to know that you're not alone in that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, because you're not alone and you don't have to deal with that alone. And you really don't. Yeah. (laughs) You know, like it sounds so obvious to say, but man, when, when you have those moments where you're like, 
why am I sitting here by myself all the fucking time? And mm-hmm. there's actually being like, I don't have to do this. And yeah. <laughs> and like, it sounds so stupid, but it's like, oh, you know, these yeah. real bright light moments where you just, mm-hmm. it hits you. I, I think that's a great answer. I think, I think just being around people is like a, a really great thing. Mm-hmm. Like and, let yourself feel it. It's okay. You know what I mean? Like, all right, you fucked up time and time again. We we love and accept you anyways. Now what? You know what I mean? Like you're not alone on this journey. You know, find some other people who've maybe struggled with the same thing. Mm-hmm. You know, ask them a few questions. Hey, man, what'd you do? What worked for you? I'm in pain. And they'll probably say, I've been there. Yeah. You know? There's not a whole lot of problems that anybody can have that haven't been had. Oh, yeah. But there's a lot of people out there who definitely... That's the thing about certain feelings. You know what I mean? Um, Like loneliness, for instance. Loneliness is a feeling that... All of our feelings have wisdom. And they're always telling us something. But it can lie to you a little bit. It can tell you things like nobody likes you. You know? And then nobody calls us for that hour. And we're, And that just reinforces this idea that like... Just stay home by yourself here on this couch. You know, loneliness can tell you like these lies, right? But loneliness can also push you to say, you know what? Like, I don't need to believe that voice. That's kind of mean. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like what if I picked up the phone anyways and like went outside and met a friend Um, and depression, you know, like depression can be so intense that it can reduce your cognitive functioning, Mm -hmm. you know, Um, and, and that person isn't in the best place to be making these decisions like to know you know especially if it's somebody's first time ever experiencing that like how are they gonna know like that they need help you know what i mean usually it gets a little worse at until they take that step yeah i'm gonna completely switch it up because when you were talking about feelings Another quite half of the cool thing about this podcast Mm -hmm. is i just get to talk to people that are like smarter than me and ask people (laughs) stuff I've always wondered this as, as somebody who has studied, how do you measure feelings? Like, do you look at them from a simple brain chemistry standpoint or do you look at them for like that other thing that they are, you know, they like, you can't really measure, but like they certainly have an effect. Just, I don't even know where to start with that. Just Mm -hmm. ramble some shit about that because I just always wanted to know, like, how do you put science behind behind emotion and feelings? Oh, they will. Oh, and they do. Um, How? uh, You know, when I think about studies, it's it's they create um, like tools to use to measure, right? Like uh, like a scientific study, which I'm not the biggest fan of using a tool. And I'm not going to start naming them because I don't think that there would be any benefit Mm -hmm. for that. Uh, You know, it's like, for instance, if somebody comes in, say, a treatment center in the beginning, we'll give them like a piece of paper, one through five, identify where you're at with this and that. And they will. You know what I mean? And then they'll give it to them again mid-treatment and they'll give it to them again at the end of treatment. Um, But I think it's way more complex than that. Right? Because I can... I think, you know, whenever I do any work in a treatment center um, Uh or with clients, I always want to take it down to basics, right? Like most people, I don't want to say most people. I can only speak for myself. Yeah. Growing up, I did not know 
that our emotions served a purpose. And I ask a lot of clients like to tell me what, what is, you know, from an evolutionary perspective, like tell me about sadness, tell me about um, anger. You know, where uh-huh. do these feelings come from? Like, what is the storyline behind them? And what's your relationship? What were you taught about them? Yeah, because you wouldn't have them if you wouldn't just have them for no reason. They have to serve a purpose. And they do serve a purpose. And that blew my mind when I figured that out. I was like, wow, you mean like instead of trying to avoid these things that feel uncomfortable, sometimes I can actually like they're my friends and they're here to tell me stuff and I can welcome them. Yeah. Yeah. So I take a very different, more spiritual approach than a... uh, I believe in like merging science and spiritualities. So do I. Hundred percent. So do I. Yes. Yeah, I, I think, I think in a lot of ways, that's an even more accurate way than just betting on science because there's certain things about like humanity that science can't quite tell us. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay, I'll finish up with this because just talking to you, there's one thing that just pops in my head over and over again. It is very obvious that you have. Um, a strong relationship with just the truth of like yourself, of other people, of the situation, regardless of like how much you don't like to see it, you still seem like somebody that just wants to know it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Is that new? Has that come from your writing? Have you always sort of been that way? Like you are not, a, you are not afraid of the truth at all. Um. not new it just continues to evolve and grow Mm -hmm. um it just is you know what i mean like the truth is not um bad it's like it's not inherently bad and it's not inherently good it's not it just is like it just exists and i think that that comes from um my interest in eastern philosophy and buddhism in particular you know just taking an honest and compassionate look at Mm -hmm. whatever just as it is i don't want to i don't want to live in a dishonest world i just want to see it as it is it's a lot harder than i think most people give it credit for it's a lot easier to see the world the way that uh is we keep using the word comfortable but like that's what it is right it's a lot Mm -hmm. easier to see the world in a way that is more comfortable to you that doesn't frighten you Yes, but that's a false sense of comfort. You know, um, not knowing the truth hurts me more than telling me the truth. Like when I hear the truth, what I also hear is I respect you enough. I believe in you and I love you. You know what I mean? That's what I hear. Um, I don't always like need when it comes to like, I don't need to know a lot of things though. I'm a seeker of knowledge and shit. I'd love to, I'd love to know everything, but yeah. there's a lot of questions that I'm okay without knowing the answer to where I can just kind of like live in the question. Uh-huh. But um, yes, the truth is important to me and lying is, or like living dishonestly. And um, you know, like I said, like when I hear the truth, I hear, I love you. I respect you. You're I, strong. I totally think that that, is a great perspective to have on it. And I never heard that before. And like, you really, you taught me that from, from talking to you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm really, really glad you came. Seriously. This is the first podcast I've done in 
two and a half weeks, I kind of took a little bit of a break from it because I was getting kind of burned out. And uh, and everybody said that you're great. And I, I see I see why they said that. You were like thanks. a real pleasure to talk to. Oh, well, same. I enjoyed it. Me too. Much. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. Do me a favor. Leave a comment and a review on the iTunes. You can also find uh, this podcast on Spotify. I appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for listening. Gareth, thank you one more time. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Talk to you guys next week. Hey guys, it's me. It's Tim. One last time before we wrap up, just wanted to say thank you for tuning into the podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes. Please leave me an honest rating. Please follow me on Spotify. It's the best thing you can do to support the show. If you want to find out more, go to timstods.com. Feel free to fill out the contact form to reach out to me personally. I always respond. I appreciate you guys so much. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one.